For one quarter of a century, they have thrilled us with their adventures, amazed us with their discoveries, and inspired us with their courage. Their ship has journeyed beyond imagination. Her name has become legend. Her crew, the finest ever assembled. We have traveled beside them from one corner of the galaxy to the other. They have been our guides, our protectors, and our friends. Now you are invited to join them for one last adventure. For at the end of history lies the undiscovered country. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I am your host, Luke Cannon, and today we are covering my second favorite of the Star Trek films that celebrated the 25th anniversary of the franchise and is itself celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. This is the film where, upon the destruction of the moon of Praxis at Kornos, the homeworld of the Klingon Empire, said Klingon Empire is on the verge of collapse. Seeing the opportunity for peace between the Federation and the Klingons after decades of hostilities, Ambassador Spock places Kirk and the Enterprise as the ambassadors of the Federation to Chancellor Gorkun, the ruler of the Klingon Empire, as an overture for peace. This does not sit well for Kirk, who still holds a hatred for the Klingons, especially after the murder of David, his son as seen in Star Trek III. But the fragile peace between the Federation and the Klingons is shattered when the Enterprise supposedly fires upon the bird of prey carrying Gorkin and his team, and Gorkin himself is assassinated by two Starfleet officers. And with Kirk and McCoy put on trial and sent to Rura Penthe, the notorious Klingon prison, and peace on the brink of collapse, Spock and the crew of the Enterprise must race against time to uncover the conspiracy on both sides to plunge the Federation and the Klingons into interstellar war. Of all the TOS-era films, this was the one film that tied into and commented on the era in which it was made the most. 
Coming off the critical and commercial disaster of Star Trek V, and with the aforementioned 25th anniversary of the franchise coming up, this was seen by all as an opportunity to end the TOS era on a high note. This also coincided with Chernobyl, the fall of the Berlin Wall, and the dissolution of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War. In fact, The Wall Comes Down in Space was how Leonard Nimoy, who was the producer on the film and got story credit, pitched the film to Nick Meyer, who was brought back to co-write and direct the film. And he went all in with not only all the literary references with the numerous Shakespeare quotes, a wink to Sherlock Holmes from Spock, and implying that not only is Sherlock Holmes real within the Star Trek universe, but that Spock is a descendant of his, and Peter Pan with Kirk's final command of Second started with right and straight on till morning. But all the political references as well, from the Vulcan proverb of only Nixon can go to China, the clear parallel of Gorkin to both Gorbachev and Lincoln, to Kirk's comment of Earth, Hitler, 1938, in response to General Chang's comment of needing breathing room, to Chang during Kirk and McCoy's Klingon trial, at one point yelling, Don't wait for the translation! Answer me now! Which is a direct quote by Adlai Stevenson, who yelled it at Valerian Zorin, who was the Soviet Union's representative at the United Nations during the Cuban Missile Crisis, to Kirk's line of, Some people think the future means the end of history. Well, we haven't run out of history quite yet which is a nod to The End of History, which was an essay written by political scientist Francis Fukuyama and how with the dissolution of the Soviet Union that Western democracy had prevailed as the primary political system of humanity. If the motion picture was the most Star Trek film in terms of its philosophy and belief in the human race, then The Undiscovered Country was the most Star Trek film in terms of the franchise's ability to act as real-world allegory. And since the Klingons were, at the time of TOS, stand-ins for communists with the Soviet Union and China and Vietnam, it makes perfect sense that this plotline would be the culmination of the TOS era of Star Trek, which leads into why this is one of my favorite Trek films. Going back to Errand of Mercy, this is the film that takes the flaws and bigotry of our heroes and confronts them with it while bringing the long-reigning arc of the Federation versus the Klingons to a head. Speaking as a writer, I've always preferred the man versus self type story over the man versus man one. To me, it resonates more when a character has to look internally and see the faults within themselves and confront it in order to resolve the plot and fulfill the personal character journey they're taking. And just like Errand of Mercy, this film confronts Kirk, Spock, and our cast about their own deep-seated prejudices against an enemy they've been fighting for so long that the idea of peace between them is unfathomable. And when they uncover that Lieutenant Valeris, the first full Vulcan in Starfleet, was among the conspirators on both sides to ensure that peace never happens, this leads to my second favorite scene in all of the Trek films, where Kirk and Spock have a moment of reflection in Spock's quarters. Spock? I prefer it dark. Dining on ashes. You were right. It was arrogant presumption on my part that got us into this situation. You and the doctor might have been killed. The night is young. You said it yourself, it was logical. Peace is worth a few personal risks. You're a great one for logic. I'm a great one for rushing in where angels fear to tread. We're both extremists. Reality is probably somewhere in between. 
past the death of my son. I was prejudiced by her accomplishments as a Balkan. Balkan had to die before I understood how prejudiced I was. Is it possible that we two, you and I, have grown so old and so inflexible that we have outlived our usefulness? Would that constitute a joke? Don't crucify yourself. It wasn't your fault. I was responsible. For no actions but your own. That is not what you said at your trial. That was as captain of the ship. Human beings. But, Captain, we both know that I am not human. Spock, you want to know something? Everybody's human. I find that remark insulting. This scene works on so many levels of subtext, from Shatner and Nimoy in relation to the franchise, and from Kirk and Spock to their relation to this new future, this is a scene of great emotional maturity, of two friends who have realized the faults within themselves, have accepted their shortcomings, and who will go out protecting and ensuring a future that they themselves will no longer be a part of. As for the rest of the film itself, I love Christopher Plummer as General Chang. He may not be as iconic as Khan, but he was always my favorite of the Trek villains. You can tell that Plummer is having so much fun with this role. I always thought of him more from The Undiscovered Country than I ever did with The Sound of Music, which I think he actually would have preferred. And given that Shatner was actually his understudy at the Stratford Theatre in Ontario, it makes sense why the chemistry between the two of them is so electric. And when he died earlier this year, the YouTube clip that I kept playing over and over over again from him wasn't from the film itself, but the teaser for it. I played it at the top of the episode here because it's one of my favorite teasers for any movie. Yes, it's just a clip show, but the way it's done with clips from TOS interspersed with the films projected onto the Enterprise as it flies over the camera before going to warp, James Horner's Wrath of Khan score, and Plummer's narration just plays on your nostalgia in the best way and gets you excited for one more Trek film with the original cast. And it shows how great an actor Plummer was and that he takes copy for a commercial and makes it sing. Kim Cattrall also shines here as Valeris. And of the various controversial elements that fans have with the film, the scene of Spock mind-melding with her against her will is one controversial element that I understand fans having a problem with. To me, what keeps the scene from going over the line and sink the entire film as well as Spock's character is that the rape allegory isn't unintentional. Everyone knows what's going on with that scene, which is reflected in Uhura's reaction of horror and Spock's self-disgust when he says, She doesn't know. As for the rest of the cast, this was the first appearance of Kirkwood Smith in Star Trek as the President of the Federation. It's a small part, but considering all the villains and hard asses he's made a career out of playing, it's nice to see him in an authority position, but without the meanness that we associate with him. And after looking foolish at the expense of Shatner's ego in Star Trek V, this was our main cast all having one last chance to be the heroes that we look up to. From Sulu finally getting to Captain the Excelsior, to Chekhov's If Shu Fits Verit line, to Uhura saying that the cloaked bird of prey has to have a tailpipe, to Scotty finding the bloodstained boots, to McCoy's surgery on the torpedo during the climactic final battle, as well as his line of, I give good money for him to shut up in reaction to Chang's Shakespearean taunts, 
everyone here gets to shine. And while there were some controversial elements in the film, for me, the whole film works. And as the Enterprise flies away to be decommissioned and heads towards a star, followed by the signatures of the main cast into the credits, a choice that was definitely copied by Marvel for the end credit sequence of Avengers Endgame, it solidifies the legendary status of these characters as part of our modern myth and Star Trek as the cultural force that it is today. And that's it for the TOS era. Join me tomorrow for when we move into the TNG era of Trek with a season three episode that, for me, exemplifies when the next generation found its voice in relation to the rest of the franchise. Live long and prosper, and also live well.